So the first, the first thing I've tried to say it to most of the guys I talked to already, but you know, happy Dad's Day, right? I mean, this is, um, I don't know, this was some of our idea of what a Dad's Day ought to look like. <laughs> feels good to me. <laughs> I hope it feels good to you to be out here. So I want to say happy Father's Day. I, I was thinking about dads, you know, I am one, right? You guys know that? Yes. Do you? You haven't said happy Father's Day to me yet, though. Thanks, Tyler. Appreciate that, man. Thank you. All right. So, so today's, today's Dad's Day. I had a revelation about, about dads, right? And men in general. I'll kind of open this up a little bit. And I was talking to Chris because we have these conversations uh, once in a while, my wife and I do. I've, I've come to realize that, I'm going to read this because I want to get it right. If it stinks, if it makes noise, and if someone is liable to get hurt, men are going to love it. <laughs> okay? Like, I want you to think about that. If it stinks... If it makes a lot of noise, and if someone's liable to get hurt, men like it. And I only say that because I spend a lot of time talking to the fairer sex, and it seems like they don't understand that about men. <laughs> They'll say things like, that smells awful. And we're like, yes, it does. <laughs> that thing is so loud. And we're like, yeah, it's loud. You know what I mean? And so, uh, and someone's going to get hurt. And you're like, yeah, just watch. <laughs> Hang on. Get the camera. That's what guys say, you know. This is going to... Well, today on, on Father's Day, I actually wanted to bring a message to dads. We're taking a break from our Life in Christ series, and I wanted to talk to dads uh, today. And, you know, God put something on my heart, and I just want to share it straight with you. He said, speak plainly. Um, and, you know, for me, that's not always the easiest thing to do. I believe that God has called and equipped us fathers, men to be the spiritual leaders of our homes. I, I believe he has. And, and, and I only say that, it shouldn't be a big revelation like, ooh, wow. But you know, I think that we don't do it as well as we should. I think that if you look around in our, in our lives, and you don't have to look out there somewhere, look in your family, look in, look in my family, I don't think that we lead spiritually as well as we should. And I believe it's a role that God has given us to fulfill as men. And, and, and we have just kind of given it up for, for other things that aren't nearly as important. When, I, when I'm talking about spiritual leaders, I'm thinking about someone who is listening for God. Someone who is hearing what God is saying. And then someone who is being obedient to what God is telling us to do. And I believe that in a family, God has called the men to be doing that. I guess the reason that I, I'm saying that so... Uh, clearly this morning is because I think that we don't believe that often. I, I tell you, a lot of times you show up for something and you, at a, a, a church function, and I know the, the whole church thing for guys a lot of times just kind of doesn't set right, but you show up and, and you'll have like eight or ten women and maybe a guy or two, you know? And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Praise God for faithful women. But I want to tell you, men, that spirituality is serious business. And if you look around your life and you go, man, this is crazy, this is chaos. Yeah, because God's calling us to be the spiritual leaders in our homes and we're not doing it. Now I'm going to be the first guy to say, I'm not doing it as well as I should. So I'm not saying you guys, I'm saying us. Part of what we do at Men's Steak Night, we're trying to equip men to be godly men. And this is going to be part of that journey, discipleship of Jesus, is to be like God, to, to bear his image more fully. And I believe that God's calling us to do that together through things like steak night and, um, you know, just men's Bible studies, men's breakfast, and just really taking this seriously that we're called to be the spiritual leaders of our homes. And so today I want to get into the Word and I want to, I want to look at how Jesus, because, you know, we, we are all about Jesus 
and we ought to be. And we're going to look at how he first called disciples to follow him. Because I think we've kind of turned this into something that's not. And so I want to look. And if you've got a Bible today, I'd invite you to open it to Mark chapter 1. And if you don't have one, we put a few out on the tables. You can grab one. I'm going to encourage everyone to kind of grab one and be looking at the pages. If there are not enough Bibles, you can share with a neighbor. But we're going to read this together. It's John chapter 1, verse 14. I don't know what page number it is for you. But you can probably find it. I'm sorry, Mark. Thank you. Mark chapter 1, verse 14. Thank you for that. And so I just want to read through this because this is Jesus beginning his ministry. By the way, the, the gospel of Mark is one of the earliest gospels we have, if not the earliest gospel we have, of the four gospels. Gospel of Mark is like no-nonsense, straightforward, what he's seen Jesus do, right? And if you've not, if you've ever sat down to read the Bible and you've not, you're like, just, I don't get it, I don't understand it, don't, I'm going to encourage you not to start in Genesis. I would really encourage you to start in Mark. If you've never read the Bible on your own, I would encourage you to start in Mark and just read what the Word says. There's no magic there's no secrets. It's right there in, in, in black and white. It'll tell you the truth about Jesus Christ. And so if you've never done it, you can start right in, John, in uh, Mark 1.1 1, 1 and just read through. It's a short book. It's easy to read. And uh, I would really encourage you. I love, I love the, his writing style. It's very much like us, you know, very common and, and accessible. So if you've never done it, I would invite you to, to do that in your life. Um, and so here, I'm going to read this verse, and then we're going to talk about a little bit about it, what's in it here. Uh, verse 14 of chapter 1 of Mark. After John was put into prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. Now as Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake because they were fishermen. Come follow me, he said. And I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. And when he had gone a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. And without delay he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat and the hired men and followed him. And so this is, uh, this is the Gospel of Mark. It's the recordings that, that Mark's seen in Jesus' life, what he experienced of Jesus. And this is this first kind of time, I want to remind you, if you look right above it, you'll see it says the baptism and temptation of Jesus, if your Bible's like mine, right? It's got a little header there. That right before this, John the Baptist was out and he was baptizing. And you remember he was saying, make straight the way of the Lord, right? And he was saying, one is coming who's going to be greater than me. And Jesus shows up and gets baptized and, and uh, you know, just... Praise God for baptism. That's why I said the other night was awesome because God moved in the hearts of these, um, these three children to be baptized and we hadn't talked about it. Praise God for that kind of movement in our lives. Jesus comes to John and gets baptized. You'll remember at this moment, God speaks over Jesus and he says, this is my son. And the spirit descends on Jesus. And then he goes out in the wilderness. And I only point that out to you because I want you to see the very first line here in 14. It says, after John was put into prison. Because you see, John was out baptizing. And when he saw Jesus come, he knew Jesus was the son of God. He knew he was the Messiah. And he didn't even want to baptize him. But he did it. And he baptized Jesus. But after Jesus left, John kept on baptizing. It wasn't like, well, Jesus was the final guy. John kept on baptizing people. As a matter of fact, John kept on discipling people after Yahweh, after, after God. And so he is building disciples. He's making disciples. And then he gets thrown into prison. 
And we know these things because other places in the Bible it says that John's disciples later came to Jesus and said, are you really the Messiah? Because John's in prison and maybe this isn't how he thought it was going to work out. So I want you to see how this is all encapsulated. This verse is all encapsulated in this relationship between John and Jesus and the disciples of both. They were men trying to find ways to honor God. And in the middle of this, this um, discipleship, Jesus steps in. And I want you to see, because we're going to start here and we're going to kind of walk through. I want, we're going to talk about how and who Jesus called. That's what I want to talk about today. How he called people and who he called. And then the last question I want to ask is this. Is he still calling people today? Because that's a critical question that we should ask ourselves as believers in Christ. So it says this, after John was in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news. So he's been away at least 40 days. There's some period of time where Jesus has not been there and he comes back into town and this is the word he says, the time has now come, the kingdom of God is near, repent and believe the good news. And this is always the way the gospel comes to you. It comes as good news, but it comes saying you have to repent and believe the good news. That's how Jesus shows up in our life, even today. Repent and believe the good news. And so I will let you know that, excuse me, that when he started calling disciples, he called them to these two things, repentance and belief. Repent of the things that you're doing you ought not to do and the things that you aren't doing you ought to do and then believe in the Son of God. Believe the good news. And so this is what Jesus says because this word precludes our comes before everything that comes after it here about Jesus walking along the Sea of Galilee. <coughs> Excuse me. So here's the thing. He comes in, he's saying, repent and believe, repent and believe. And then he's walking along the Sea of Galilee. You know, and, and uh, I've not been over there. I would love to go someday. But it's just, it's a fishing lake. I mean, this is where he is. And there's, we just learned in our, in our um, family group that there's two sides. And one end was fishable and the other end wasn't fishable. And so there's kind of one area that's known for fishing. And so he's among, now I want to ask a question. Why was he going here to bring the kingdom of God to earth? You know, there were synagogues, there were holy places, there were holy men, there were Pharisees and Sadducees and scribes and lawgivers and lawmakers, there were politicians, there were a lot of people that he could have gone to. And I want you to notice today that where Jesus goes to find his disciples isn't in the town center and it isn't in the, in the, in the public square, the, the political powers. He goes to the Sea of Galilee and in this place he sees this guy named Simon and his brother. And they are casting their nets into the lake, right? And, and so we're going to talk today about, and you know, God calls men. God calls men. And I believe that. And, and it says here, he calls Simon and his brother Andrew, right? And, and it, says, well, it says, they were casting their nets into the lake. So I want you to get the image because I don't want you to like think because we know we take because these guys later on become somebody we make them into something they're not. These guys are out there and they're literally fishing. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're not talking about fishing. They're out there fishing actively working. These aren't guys who are like sitting around looking for something to do. And literally, I want you to get the kind of the action there that says they were casting their nets into the lake because they were fishermen. What do you think a fisherman would be doing today? Hey, be fishing. Jesus is looking for disciples. He's going to go down there where they're working. 
right? And so God calls men right where they are. I want you to jump ahead with me. We're going to look. He walked down a little farther and he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat. Now, they aren't casting nets. They're preparing nets. You know, that's like whenever things are broken, they ain't going to work well. You're going to fix it. You're going to get it ready to do what you're going to do. And right there, you see, because if he had gone and found someone else fishing, we would say, well, God always calls people, Jesus always calls people when they're actively doing it. Well, no, he called some men when they were right in the middle of it. He called some men when they were getting ready to do it. But here's the truth. Jesus calls men right where they are. Right in the middle of your life. Right in the middle of the mess. Right in the middle of your work. Jesus shows up and his words are simple. He says, follow me. So Jesus calls men right where they are. The second thing I want to tell you is Jesus calls ordinary men. I, I alluded to this a minute ago. You know, he could have gone anywhere. I want you to think about the Son of God comes to earth. He spends 30 years growing up around people just like you and me. He gets baptized by John. His father speaks. He goes out into the desert and gets tempted. He comes back in and you think he's going to build his kingdom. Where is he going to go? He goes to ordinary folks. Regular folks. I, I think we can't miss how, how um, different that is that he would actually come to you and me right where we are and he'd say, I want you. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of tied up here. Follow me. What? what? There's people better qualified. Follow me. I'm only a fisherman. Follow me. I want you to think about stinky, noisy, bound to get hurt guys who are out there just doing their best to, to make a living and this guy comes along Jesus, he's a rabbi now, and I know there's some cultural things happening here where they're invited to go, and there's been some talk about that, but these guys see Jesus, and, and they follow him right from where they are. No excuses, no getting ready first. Matter of fact, there's some guys that when Jesus called them and said, get ready, they said, he, he said, don't, they go, we gotta get ready first. He goes, you can't follow me then, right now. We're called to follow Jesus. Paul's ordinary men like you and me. As a matter of fact, in a few more verses here in the, in the Gospel of, um, of Mark, I'll get that right before the end of the day today, right? A few more verses, Jesus says this, when he's eating with tax collectors and sinners and those who are in power and religious power say, why would you hang out with these miscreants? This was his words. It is not the healthy need a doctor but the sick. Here's what he says. I have not come to call the righteous but call sinners. You know what I mean? Like, there were plenty of people who were, like, kind of fluffing up their clothes. You know, they had the, 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 the cool hats or whatever. They had the big horses. I don't know what they had, but they had stuff. And Jesus didn't go to them, and he went instead to ordinary people who are broken, who are hurting, who are looking for a solution. And he says this. I want you to hear it today. He says, follow me. Follow me. This gospel of Jesus is uncontrollable. It's beyond family Bible church. It's beyond Highland. It's beyond the planet. Jesus is making disciples every day and he's saying simple words like follow me to ordinary people and the difference is that they step up and follow him. You or I can do the same thing. So he calls ordinary men. He calls us right where we are. And I want to notice something else here. This Holy Spirit's giving me a fit here with my Bible. The wind. Numa, it was a joke there. All right, so here's what it says. He says, um, uh, I want you to notice that he calls Simon and his brother Andrew. 
I want you to notice that he calls James and his brother John. I want you to notice that he, he calls 12, uh, he sends out 12 apostles. He names 12 as apostles. I want you to notice he sends, he sends out 72 people, two by two men. Sends them out in pairs. I want you to see there's something that God does that he does it together. One of the things for those of us who are following Jesus, we say, I got it. I got my faith. You get yours. You know what I mean? I'll figure it out. And it's me and Jesus in the woods. One of the greatest gifts that I've had in my time here at Family Bible Church is brothers who are right beside me going, I don't know about that. Are you sure? How are you doing with this? What's going on with this area of your life? Because the truth is that me and Jesus leaves a lot of room to cheat. You know what I mean? And, and there's truth that when Jesus calls men, he calls them two by two. Right? And that's what we see right here. He calls these brothers. He calls them together. We as men seem to not want that a lot. We want to kind of do our own thing. I'm the worst, man. I don't, you know, don't need nothing from nobody. I got my own stuff covered. And that's just a lie straight from the devil. I mean, we need one another. And the more we rely on one another, the more blessed we are. And God is calling us to do that. So he's calling us together. But I want to point out one more thing here. Not only did he call them together, but he called brothers. And I don't know if you've ever seen a family that's been transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because see, we get excited about a person that comes to repentance. One person that comes and gives their life. That they finally get to the point where they come forward and they pray and they receive Christ and they trust him and they believe. And they don't know what it means, but they're going to follow Jesus. And we get excited as a church, man. We cheer, we cry, we hug people, we get excited for them. But if you've ever seen a family transformed by Christ, you've seen a miracle. There, it's, it's, it's different. Completely different. And I want you to see that when Jesus is walking along here, he picks out these two brothers of Simon and Andrew. He picks out these two brothers of James and John. And I, I've seen it in my own life. And I don't know how God did it. He did it slowly over time. But one by one, you know, I'm going to go, I'm, some of you guys know I'm heading out of here after this service today. And we're going to go down and meet some friends from North Carolina. They're not friends, they're family. The one guy we're meeting is my cousin, Rob. God called him to be a pastor at 16 for my family. We were like brothers. God called me at 30 to be a pastor. I don't understand how that works. My brother-in-law, Rich, he's in seminary in Colorado right now. God's called him. My wife's cousin, Lance, has just finished seminary and taking a church in Florida right now. I want to tell you that when you put a family re reunion and you start to realize that God is working in your family, it's miraculous. Here's the thing. It ain't just for certain people. It's for anybody. Follow Jesus is his invitation. That's all you have to do is follow him. And so he calls families to respond. He calls brothers to respond. He calls two at a time to respond. Two more thoughts. Jesus calls men to do something worth doing. And I'll be very honest with you today. I think a big problem that we have in the church is a lot of stuff that we have, men don't find it worth doing. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, I mean, some of the stuff we do is, you know, you get to kind of do some man stuff, but a lot of it just doesn't seem like it's worth doing. Really? Is that something we need to do? Do we, Is that something that's going to resonate with us? 
When Jesus calls these men to leave their nets, to leave their boat, did you see what it said about John and James? They left their father in the boat with the hired men. You know what that conversation must have been like? You know? That, I've seen families that work together. That ain't an easy conversation to have. But this Jesus calls us, calls them to do something that's worth doing. I'll tell you what he calls you to. Something that's worth giving your life for. Something that's worth giving your life for. And Jesus calls men to do something worth doing. I believe, brothers, that if we were to be the men of God that he's calling us to be at the spiritual leaders of our homes, that we would spur one another along to do things that are worth doing. I want to be very careful in talking about this. It, it, it doesn't mean we dominate. I mean, if you want to look at how we're to love our families, look at Jesus. We look at his grace, the way he comes and he says, follow me. He doesn't demand it. He doesn't drag people by their ear. We're going this way. You know, he says, come on. He's very graceful. But we, we lead the same way. But I believe we're being called to be the spiritual leaders of our homes. And I believe it's the, one of the biggest problems that we face. It's just as families. I don't even say as a nation, all that stuff. Just as a family. You, men, can transform your families by being a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ. So I wonder how much time, I, you know, I wonder, we spend so much time, I just feel like guys don't have anything to do. I want to talk about this more later, you know. I want to talk about what we can do that's worth doing, guys. What can we do that's worth doing? Because that's what we should be doing as men. I, I, I feel like we just spend so much time doing stuff that doesn't matter. Wasting time, they say. Because there's nothing that's worth doing. Here's, the, here's our last thought today. I want you to see their response. I'm going to read through here again. So he says to every one of them, he says, follow me. Right? And he says down in 20, follow me. And this is what it says. It says in 18 about Simon and Peter, it says, at once they left their nets and followed Jesus. Look in 20. Without delay, he called them and they left their father Zebedee in a boat and the hired men and followed Jesus. This is the way it looks like when you respond to the call of God in your life. I want you to see what is not there. These men, when they left their boats, their nets, their livelihoods, their fathers, their hired people, everything else, when they followed Jesus, look at what they, they did not know where they were going. And I'm going to tell you today that if Jesus is asking you to come follow him, it doesn't mean he's going to say, here's where we're going to end up. He's saying, follow me, follow me. And they had no idea where they were going to go yet, but they were going to go with Jesus. Whenever they left those boats and that shore that day, they didn't know what was going to come in this adventure with Jesus. And I can tell you that whenever I said yes to Christ, I had no idea what he was going to do. And I still don't know what he's going to do in the future. But I follow him every day. And they did the same thing. They kept following him. You'll remember they were with him for about three years, these men were. Side by side every day with their Savior. These men did not understand what they were being called to at that time. They didn't have all the answers. But they were going to follow Jesus and find him. And I pray that we would do that as men. That even if we don't understand everything. And here's the last part. And, and I want to kind of close here. We're going to do something that we've been doing for thousands of years. And I love it. Because Jesus did it. But the last thing is this. The disciples of Jesus. One of the things we've been talking about in our men's accountability breakfast on Thursday mornings is this. When does discipleship begin in your life? 
The truth was it began when Christ showed up and said, repent and believe the good news. The kingdom of God is near. And whenever men's hearts are stirred and they turn toward Christ, the discipleship begins. But get this, the gospel of Mark is full of people who don't believe that Jesus is the Messiah. Not even the disciples who are there. That even when they followed Jesus off of the boats, they did not fully believe that he was God. And that means that for you and me, when we're on that journey and we feel like, man, I, you know, I just got this little bit of faith. I just, something about Jesus I don't understand. There's something about these people who follow Jesus I can't quite figure out. I want you to take peace with that and know that you are on the path of discipleship with Christ because he leads you along. There's a word where it comes at the end of this Bible. You know what it says? Jesus says, finally you believe. And I think that's what's going to happen in a lot of our lives. Finally you understand. Jesus has been calling us and loving us on this path for so long. And then finally, we believe. I hope that today, and I hope that if you've never read the Word, you read the Word. I hope that today you understand that this Jesus we follow isn't some kind of sanitized, you know, uh, over there, hands off, he was, he was a man. You know what I mean? And he had dirt on his fingernails. The people he called had dirt on their fingernails. And I'm picking on office workers because I used to be one and, and he calls them too. You know, I mean, he, he's, he's a guy. He calls guys to do these things and they're serious things and they're eternal things and they matter not just for you but for your household. The influence you have is unbelievable over the people in your life and so I pray that today you would consider seriously the responsibility you have. So here we're going to do something that Jesus started a long time ago. But I'm going to pray first. I'm going to pray together that God would, would work in our hearts because he can do it. And then we're going to share a, a final kind of meal of the day here today. So if you would pray with me right now. Father God, we give you praise and glory today for the good news of Jesus. Father, we thank you so much that your son came near right where we were and said simple words like repent and believe. Follow me. And we pray, Lord, that like those early disciples, we have the courage to leave things to follow you. We would see the big picture and the stuff worth doing. And Lord, today in every heart here, wherever they are in their journey with you, I pray you would take them on that next step, that your Holy Spirit would push us and pull us toward that next step of faith, that next step of relationship, that next step of obedience. And today, Lord, I pray if there's someone here that doesn't know you, that doesn't know, I mean, not, not that something else is going to save them, but that you, Jesus, will save us. I pray that today your Holy Spirit will work richly to bring salvation. And then, Father, we pray today for the men in our households. We pray for our fathers. We pray that, that you would call them to be men of God, that they would live lives worth living and have eternal consequences. And we just pray, Lord, your protection and your encouragement over them. And we pray you bless them. But Father, in this time, help us to respond to your Holy Spirit. We love you and we thank you. We thank you for your gospel. We thank you for dying on the cross for us. We give you all these praises and prayers. In Jesus' name, amen.